guys ready? Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Okay. Welcome to the Sisterly Village podcast. A circle of three women with sisterly love who share in their journeys of motherhood. With the purpose to create a space of wisdom and honor lived experience. Here are your hosts, Naya, Maddie, and Anna. In this week's episode, Maddie delves into her backstory, including her childhood across multiple states, becoming a teen mother, finding her power after abuse, and following her passions wherever they may lead. Let's get started. Um, what? So, how about your childhood? Where were you born? I was born in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, I lived there until I was 12 years old. So Pennsylvania was really where my youngest childhood years were spent. Um, although I don't have a ton of like really vivid memories of my childhood in Pennsylvania. Um, it was just my, me and my family, my mom and my dad and my little brother and my whole dad's side of the family is here in Pennsylvania. So I grew up with a big family and I always loved that, you know, the holidays were big and loud and boisterous and full of cousins and it was just so much fun and a really, really happy childhood. Um, my dad was in the Air Force, so I grew up, you know, with a military family and we didn't have to do the traveling around or moving around because of the military, but I do have the clear memories of my dad deploying and just kind of being used to my mom as a single mom, but not actually a single mom. And um, I think that really drew me closer to my mom growing up and also my brother, but did kind of affect my relationship with my dad, not necessarily negatively, but we just didn't get the quality time that, you know, I always had with my mom. So I really treasured the times that my dad was home. And when I was younger, my dad did get diagnosed with Lyme disease. So that really kind of informed the way that our family moved forward after that. It really changed kind of the whole dynamic in our family. So there did grow, you know, a little bit of tension and, and just struggles in the years to follow after that. Um, but overall, I really had a really good childhood and I have a lot of positive memories and um, Pennsylvania was just, <laughs> I was going to say all of that happened in Pennsylvania, right? Like all of, yes. mm -hmm. that was kind of my, my early childhood was just knowing that I had a really close family and I was really blessed to grow up with such a close, happy family like that. Um, but we did deal with some struggles when it came to my dad deploying and, and chronic illness in our family. Um, so when we decided to move to Hawaii, uh, I think that was kind of like a fresh start for our family. And I think that's how my parents and all of us really viewed it. We thought that maybe it would just be a good change for us after some struggle. And I was really, really excited to move there. I had some great friends in Pennsylvania and I also danced to, through my childhood in Pennsylvania. So I was sad to leave those things, but overall I was super stoked to move to Hawaii. So we moved to Hawaii when I was 12 years old and right after my sixth grade year. And um, when I got there, I mean, 
I, it immediately just felt like home to me. I think it was a little bit harder of a transition for my brother. He was really young and it's just harder for him to understand. But I think I, being 12 years old, I was in that mindset where I was fully understanding what this transition could be and what I wanted it to be for me. So coming into middle school, seventh grade was where I met Naya for the first time. And that was, that was really exciting because Naya was really the one who brought me into that, my first group of friends in Hawaii. Um, I'm so curious, Maddie, about what it was like for you coming to such a drastically different culture now mm-hmm. that I kind of know what like East Coast vibes are like. Um, I'm just, I'm really interested to know what it's like to come from East Coast or Pennsylvania and at that, at that very formative childhood age of like about to go into puberty and just what the culture was like through your 12 year old eyes at the time. I mean, I think people would assume that it's very different and it really was. And not to offend any East Coasters here, but I have to say, I think the transition from the East Coast to Hawaii was easier than actually coming back to Pennsylvania, which we'll get to that. Um, Hawaii is just much more laid back and it, it really just feels like a big family. I remember being just so shocked when I started making friends and they were telling me like, oh, we call each other's parents, auntie and uncle here. And, you know, I came from calling my parents, Mr. or my friend's parents, Mr. and Mrs. And then coming here, it was like, everybody was my auntie and uncle. And, you know, you greet people with a big hug. And I think that helped with my transition because I was coming to a place where I was just so welcomed and loved. And in general, people were really accepting and and happy to get to know me. So I think that type of cultural aspect was really great. And then on top of it, just the rich Hawaiian culture was also so beautiful for me to learn and be a part of because Pennsylvania has its culture, like Pennsylvania Dutch, Amish culture, um, especially because I'm from Lancaster County. So, um, and that's interesting and fun, but I would say that Hawaii has, you know, just such this rich culture that even to this day is very woven into the way that you know local people live so I think that really formed me and and I was really open to learning about it so going into seventh grade then having like Hawaiian culture classes and things that was really great for me because I felt like I was really starting to understand and assimilate myself with Hawaii. So after middle school, then both Naya and I, who had obviously grown a lot closer, which I was so thankful for. Naya, you were my first best friend in Hawaii and you remained my best friend, you know, obviously (laughs) to this day. Um, So we went to high school together, which I think we explained in our other episode how for high school, if you were coming from our town, you kind of separated for high school. Um, So we ended up going to a private school that was about a half hour away and it was a private like college prep school and was also really based in the arts, which was just so awesome and really brought me back to my roots of dancing and performing. And 
That was something that I loved since I was three years old. So here I was You're now. So good in- at it too. <laughs> Thank so, you, Anna. Oh, no, oh my gosh. Okay, keep going. <laughs> oh, I miss it so much and I need to get back into it. But yeah, I, I really took advantage of, I think, every opportunity in high school. I think one time I counted it and in like my four years of high school, I did like 13 shows and performing opportunities. And I, I just, I, I loved it. It was everything that I needed in that time. And it also helped me connect more with you, Anna. And with Naya still, because we all loved the performing arts and we all took every opportunity that our high school gave us. So, you know, from school plays and musicals and community theater and talent shows. Yes, everybody, the three of us did a talent show together. We sang, (laughs) played instruments. It was great. We'll have to find that video. I have no memory of this. What? Remember falling slowly. And I was on the piano. I wasn't in that. Yes, you played the guitar. (laughs) You played the guitar, Naya. (laughs) Maddie and Sean sang you played the guitar and I was like do 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 on the piano. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, on the, the, on the edge of the stage, like a super cool, and you sat on the edge of the stage. And yeah. You, yeah. We I were on like that little side part. We do need to find a video. I honestly don't even know where that would be evidence. I don't think I have one. I have never watched that performance back. No. So, anyway, fond <laughs> memories for me and Anna, but <laughs> apparently it didn't happen. So, right. But were we all in Footloose in senior yeah. year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Footloose together. Okay. <laughs> we definitely all graced our high school stage together yes. at some point. So. Uh, so those are some of my most fond memories of high school. And that really like dominated my time. Um, and I feel like I was a fairly good student and I, I remained, you know, focused on school and, and really like paying attention in my classes. And I, I never was that kid that like really complained about high school. Um, but my senior year kind of is what changed that for me. And I don't really know what the exact change was there, but my senior year, I was just very different. And I suddenly just started experiencing a lot more insecurity in myself and um, kind of seeking out approval and validation from people and places and activities that I shouldn't have been involved in. And that's when I feel like, you know, us three were still fairly close at the time, but I was seeking out friendships with people that maybe weren't true friends. And I was, I was neglecting our friendships. Now I do look back at that time and realize I was neglecting my true friendships for people who weren't great for me. Um, also in high school, my, we had moved to Hawaii to be closer to my mom's dad, my grandpa. And, um, I got really close with him during that time. I would stay with him at his little apartment and kind of help do some caregiving and cleaning around his place. And um, he did die of cancer the summer before my senior year. And 
I never felt like consciously that affected me, but I don't know, maybe that was part of my shift into just having a bit of a rougher senior year. Um, That's kind of what I was thinking when you were talking about this like sudden shift towards insecurity. And I remember when my grandfather died, I felt like very soon after I was faced with a lot of insecurity and a lot of like wondering what people thought of me. And I just wonder if that first experience with death of a loved one can kind of shake you in that way. Yeah. 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 I think I, it wasn't like I was navigating every day consciously thinking of like the grief of losing him, but, um, it, it obviously changed something in me just experiencing that first big, like real pain. Um, it changed something. So that was kind of how I navigated my senior year was just really based out of insecurity. And I did have like the physical insecurities of, you know, I had glasses and I had really bad acne and braces and I just didn't feel like good about myself. Yeah. And so I think everybody can relate to that. We all have those feelings in high school, especially. And when we're navigating dating people for the first time and like learning who we are and, and what we want and, and all of that. So I really started seeking out validation from boys, unfortunately, and not necessarily boys, like in a physical sense, I wasn't like sleeping around with a bunch of guys from the school, but I just wanted boys to like me. So I think I was putting myself in situations to hang out with the cool guys that I thought were really cute and like all the girls wanted to be with them. So if they liked me, then I was worthy and valuable. Um, And it's kind of funny that I got into that mode, I guess, because my first real love and my first serious relationship, I guess, through high school was such a great relationship with a boy who was a little bit older than me. And he treated me with so much kindness and respect. And he showed me just like real, you know, genuine, like probably immature, but, you know, just sweet love. And I'm so thankful that I had that first experience with him. But after we broke up when he went to college, um, that's again, when I started getting into the bad boys, um, and, and that's where it kind of leads me to, unfortunately, what I would say is kind of like the ultimate turning point of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of hate describing it this way, but there's just like, you know, there's the BC and like the AD of my <laughs> life. Um, yeah. and it, Yeah. And I don't really see it necessarily as a negative because I, I'm so thankful for where I am now and I see why I needed that growth, but senior year and the summer after senior year was like that big transformation. So I met a boy who was charming and fun and the life of the party and everything that I you know, thought I wanted. And we ended up dating. And I got pregnant three months into our relationship. So I had just graduated high school and was preparing to go to college and found out I was pregnant with my daughter. 
who is now five years old. So, so much time has passed since then, but that was really the biggest transformation of my life and like the biggest wake up call of like, wow, uh, a new Maddie is coming kind of because it's forced, but I think it was necessary. So I then decided to take a gap year because I needed to work and I needed to prepare for my baby and just be pregnant and figure out my life. So that's what I did. I worked three jobs through my pregnancy and I, you know, tried to figure, get all my ducks in a row and navigate this relationship that I didn't really know him before I got pregnant. And then we struggled a lot through my pregnancy. And I started realizing that I was in an abusive situation that whole time. So my, my pregnancy was really, really hard. And, um, I got to this point where I decided that I needed to start pursuing something for myself because I didn't really have, I didn't necessarily have hope in the relationship that I was in. And I knew that I was bringing a baby into this world and I was going to need to support her and support myself. And I just needed something. So I actually decided to drop out of the college that I would have gone to that I took a gap year from. And I only applied to one more college, one more program, and just kind of fingers crossed, hope I get in. It was a college that was a block away from my childhood home in Pennsylvania. And it's weird how it just came full circle like that. I remember clearly sometime when I was living in Hawaii saying, I will never go back to my little old town in Pennsylvania. Never, ever, ever. I don't care if I leave Hawaii, but I'm never going back to Pennsylvania. So never say never people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it was, I think, you know, God or the universe or whatever you believe in put me back there, back here for a reason. And I got into that program and everything kind of fell into place. So my childhood home was being rented out and I was able to move into the downstairs apartment with my daughter and I brought my boyfriend and her dad at the time. Um, I just want to say you moved across the entire country by yourself with a three month old baby and this guy that, I mean, you knew it wasn't going to really work. I mean, probably internally that is bravery. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, dude. remember feeling like intimidated by that, or was it just like, well, this is what's going to happen because this is what's going to happen? Like, do you remember as you embarking on that journey if you just like felt right, or if you were like a little nervous? First, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know if I really felt brave at the time, but you know, I can give myself some credit now. Um, I think it was a whole mix of emotions and some of it a little negative because I think I felt like it was my duty um, to do it because I needed to prove myself after becoming a teen mom. Mm. Um, And that was a really big drive for a lot of my decisions after getting pregnant at 18. Trying to like Um, change the narrative of like 
kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Like I had already disappointed my parents, you know, and people were judging me and, and like my friends had all you guys and everybody had all gone off to college. Like I was supposed to. And I think there was that, like, now I need to overcompensate and I have to work really hard to prove myself that like, I'm not going to be the stereotypical teen mom. Everybody has, you know, their assumptions and stereotypes of what happens to a girl after she gets pregnant as a teenager. And I just wasn't going to let that happen to me. So in some, some ways that was like positively motivating, but it also was a lot of pressure that I put on myself. And so I think I didn't really let myself feel the fear of it because I was like, this is what needs to be done. I, you know, it, I need to do it for my child to take care of her and I need to do it to prove myself. And I also really made that decision maybe a little selfishly because I was hoping that maybe a new environment and um, pursuing like a new life together would help my relationship with my daughter's dad. Um, and I think we kind of made that decision seemingly together. And I was hoping that it would be like a fresh start for our family, which how ironic is that? Because I think we, my first, my nuclear family with like my family that I was born into moved to Hawaii to, for a fresh start. And then here I was kind of like, I need to move back to Pennsylvania for this fresh start with my own nuclear family. Um, yeah. And so I don't know, I think there was a lot of motivations there and I didn't really let myself feel the fear until my parents helped us move here to Pennsylvania. And I'll never forget watching them drive away in their rental car to go back to the airport, to go back to Hawaii. Um, oh, gonna be a little choked up just thinking about it. Um, yeah, that was like when it all hit me, I think it was, it was finally real, um, that I was now in charge of my life and in charge of my baby's life. And I was going to navigate a relationship that was abusive by myself with no support, um, because I wasn't really letting on to people what was happening. So that was, that was when the fear hit me and I just kind of had to sit in that for a little bit. Um, But shortly after my parents left, you know, we went through a lot more struggles with the abusive relationship and it got to the point where I realized that this wasn't a fresh start for us and things were not going to change like I thought they were and like I prayed that they would and I made the difficult decision to leave that relationship. Um, but then that also was choosing to become a single mom. So being a single teen mom, I feel like has almost become my brand um, <laughs> because that is just who I was and like who I've identified as. And it's really formed me into the person that I am today. And I, I feel like I wouldn't have like the resiliency that I have now without those experiences. So then shortly after moving to Pennsylvania, I started my freshman year of college and I got my first jobs here in Pennsylvania. And that was pretty much my life for a little bit there. I was just navigating multiple jobs, 
trying to manage a full, cause I was a full-time student because I had to be for the program that I was in and managing that, managing single motherhood and also co-parenting with somebody who was continuing to be like emotionally and verbally abusive towards me and um, just difficult to co-parent with. Um, so there was a lot of emotional stresses as well as just physical exhaustion of trying to manage that whole load. Um, but so I, sorry, I am so curious because we weren't like super in communication at this time. And I've always wondered just logistically, how did you do that? Like, because I know you breastfed Ella for a long time. So how did you manage like breastfeeding this tiny baby and going to college classes and working and all of that, just literally logistically, how did it happen? (laughs) I feel like a lot of people wonder that and I do too, but I guess kind of a, a day in the life of a single teen mother in college, um, would be Ella was five months old when I started school. So she was old enough to start taking some solid foods and she refused to take a bottle. So when she went to daycare, she was eating there with them. Um, and I was nursing every other time that I was with her. Um, so I would, you know, wake up and feed her and take her to, this is a whole story in and of itself, but a wonderful woman who I will always just cherish in my heart last minute kind of fell into our laps as Ella's babysitter. And it was just Ella along with her two kids that she watched at her home, Mm. um, for like a year and a half. And it was literally just like Ella was her third child and she truly treated her like that. And so when so much was unsure and unsettling in my life, I knew that when I was letting go of the reins with Ella and leaving her for the day that she was safe and stable and happy and well taken care of. So I think mentally that helped me navigate my crazy day because then from there, I usually had a couple classes and I did work at the school and dining services. It was great. Um, And so that was kind of my filler job. So I would, anytime I had a break between classes, even if it was just an hour, I would go work for dining services and I would fit that in between my class schedule. And then I also worked at a boutique. And so when I had longer chunks of time, like if I randomly had, you know, only one or two classes on a Wednesday, I'd work a full shift at the, um, the boutique that I worked at and then occasional weekends and stuff. So yeah, in general, I was really just doing like a jigsaw puzzle with every single day because we know if you've been in college, you know, your classes change every semester and every single day is different. So it was really just a lot of crazy scheduling and then a lot of self-sacrifice honestly Mm -hmm. and and that's where it kind of led me to a lot of burnout and not prioritizing school and certain priorities and responsibilities because I was so exhausted so so strung out I mean yeah like what was self-care was not a thing at all so 
my body was being given to my child and to work and staying up late for doing schoolwork and my mind was everywhere and at this time I did struggle with my first experiences of depression and I think that probably had to do with like the physical exhaustion piece um, but also just the fact that I had gone through a lot of trauma in a really short time it was like a year and a half where I experienced just a lot of trauma from that relationship and then I was continually being exposed to the person who abused me and I fell into some pretty dark depression um I don't think people would really know it on the outside because I was completing all of my tasks and I was getting my work done and well not all of my schoolwork done. I really struggled with that. Um, but I was taking care of my child well and being the best mom I could possibly be and still seeing people and everything. But I really, really struggled with my mental health. And that that would be when I would say I had like my first real depressive episode was at the start of college. Um, and I started to experience some anxiety throughout that too, which I had never dealt with previously to any of these experiences. So mm -hmm. yes, it all, it all sounds kind of negative, but there was, there were a lot of great times throughout it. And honestly, my fondest memories throughout that time was Ella. And, um, she was really the thing that pushed me through and motivated me through getting to my bachelor's and, um, and just all of the, the struggles of life. I, I had a greater purpose, so it really helped me. Yeah. And you did that for years. Yeah. Yeah. For years. Oh, I'm okay. sure there were some significant events in there, but in general, I would say for like four years, that was kind of just Your my life. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did go back to Hawaii on my school breaks every winter and summer break with Ella to go stay with my parents again. And that honestly, I think is what kept me alive because that was so refreshing. I would still work when I came back to Hawaii, but it was a job that I really liked at another boutique and it was a lot more chill. I had time to just prioritize myself and prioritize quality time with Ella and my family and Hawaii in general as a place is like the most rejuvenating environment that you could be in. So having the opportunity to do that, thanks to my parents who always made sure that we came home to them. Um, yeah, that, that really helped me through those years too. Um, but then, yeah, so I, I was a single, single mom through that time and I didn't really date around at all. I, I mean, how would I, honestly, if no you time. hear my schedule, no time. Um, I had no physical or mental capacity for that at all. Um, but also my standards were extremely high because I had been through so much and I also had a child that I had to think of. So a few first dates here and there talking to somebody for a little while, but really didn't didn't date. Um, and then one of my closest friends who was actually my childhood friend, um, from elementary school here in Pennsylvania and her boyfriend at the time 
set me up with his best friend. So we got to know each other um, through them. And obviously I was like rolling my eyes that like setups never work, Um, (laughs) but it ended up being great. And we are still together now. So it's been almost three years and I, I guess I kind of say this reluctantly because the strong independent woman in me wants to be able to say like, I gave me and Ella everything always. And, you know, like anything that we have is, is because of me and my hard work. Um, but I think I have to humble myself and be able to appreciate the fact that, um, Denton, who is my partner, he did bring so much to our lives at the time. And I mean, and now, um, (laughs) and I'm, I'm so thankful for that because, you know, Ella and I were doing just fine on our own, but he, he really just brought so much to our dynamic. And on top of it, he was so willing to help in any way he could. And he did take off a really big load for me. Even just having that other person that I felt like I could mentally lean on because I was so burnt out. Um, that, that was huge for me. So that was a big turning point for sure, where I felt like, um, you know, I, I was, I was just managing myself a little bit better and, and being able to manage myself with another person that could carry a little of it with me. Uh, so I graduated college with my bachelor's in health sciences. (laughs) Thank you. Um, it took me five years to get to my bachelor's, which I struggled with accepting, but I, you know, it is what it is. I had a lot on my plate and I'm really proud of myself that I even got to my bachelor's. Um, and I was going to go on to get my master's, but I didn't continue with my master's program and that's okay. That's okay with me. Um, and that really just freed me so much and brought such, um, just the sense of stability to me, which my college was wonderful and I did have a great support system there. And I was so thankful for that opportunity, but it was honestly the biggest burden in my life for those four years because of trying to manage it with normal mom life and work and everything. Um, And also Maddie, you got a job. When did you get the job working outdoors um, Mm -hmm. with individuals? When did you get that? Like in terms of your like timeline? Yeah. So, Oh, I love, I love this story. And I've, it has such a special place in my heart because even though I didn't continue on to get my master's, which was kind of like the point of the program that I was in, I feel like I was meant to be in the college program that I was in because they actually introduced me to my like ultimate passion and it's led me to what I'm doing for work now. So it was actually a field work opportunity for me mm-hmm. to go work with adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities at a day program that was set on a farm. And let me just tell you, it was the most fun experience of my life. I only had a field work there for one week. And after that, I never stopped thinking about it. And it took me a year to actually ask 
if they, you know, were hiring. But a year after I did that field work, I got hired by them. Um, and it was just the best job. And that actually was super stress reducing for me and was just my job was like a passion and it was a place where I could feel safe and happy and excited to go to. So yeah, I, I loved the individuals that I got to work with there and the animals and I got to bring Ella all the time to hang out with the animals. And that was just such a blessing to my life. And through that job, I was able to be introduced to the job that I'm currently in, which is behavior consulting for adults with disabilities. Um, so I'm still working with the same population and I still have the opportunity to see, see some of the people that I worked with at the day program. And it is really just my passion. My, uh, my mom actually works with babies with disabilities and she was my first introduction to that population and just the beautiful work that there is there. Um, and just the wonderful connection that you can have with people who are a little different than you. And um, I think that really stuck with me and was what led me to loving this job field. Um, so yeah, <laughs> on that, on that note, it just made me think of this. I just love the imagery of your mom's work inspiring you to work with adults with intellectual disabilities and it reminded me of this story of Ella getting to know her friend who is on the spectrum and how that just touched your heart and I see this like maternal lineage of your mom and then you and then Ella all connecting with people in different stages of life with intellectual disabilities I'd love if you would share that story yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Um, so yeah, my passion for working with people with disabilities uh, has really just been passed on just as my mom passed it on to me. And it's so beautiful now to watch my five-year-old making friends with all kinds of different people who, you know, brings so much excitement to her life. And now she's found a friend who is on the autism spectrum and, you know, she lives close to us and they're just the best of friends. And I just love seeing that. Um, I guess Naya did describe it as like the maternal lineage of just kind of this passion and natural heart for people um, who are differently abled. And um, you know, I don't know how that will manifest in Ella's life, but my mom really was the driving force for that in my life. And so I always prioritize that when I'm talking to Ella and, and teaching her about other people and um, encouraging her to open her heart to, to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So along the way, I, I guess I have to include this struggle because it's been, um, an ongoing thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's take, my way. <laughs> let's take an unfortunate turn here. Um, um, but because, you know, this is the story and my journey with my daughter's dad has been quite the roller coaster. And, um, I navigated co-parenting with him throughout all those years of college and I tried to make it work and I wanted to make it work for my daughter. And 
um, I still felt the need to keep her safe, but also providing her with that relationship with her father. Um, but unfortunately, circumstances would have it that um, he made some really poor choices and caused harm to people, um, plenty of other people after me. Um, but his ultimate choices um, led him to being put in prison. And that was recent. And um, that was a really big turning point for us. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to navigate, even personally, just because there's a lot of emotions behind that. Um, but for my child and helping my child process that and coming to a point where, you know, we've had this, him in and out of our lives for so long and not really knowing how that relationship would continue safely. But now this natural kind of ending to the relationship for me, um, it was a bit of a relief and I, I hate to admit that for Ella. Um, but for me, it was a relief because I was finally set free from my abuser. Um, but for Ella, you know, what a, what a conflicting emotions. I mean, it was so heartbreaking at the same time because I had to watch my child go through this grief and loss of her dad. Um, and that's been recent. So that's kind of where we are coming to and um, still navigating the repercussions of that. And I think that's going to be a lifelong thing that I work through with my child and it's growing both of us and growing us closer with each other as well. So we can just veer off of that now. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, <laughs> and back to regularly scheduled program. <laughs> um, I feel like we're coming to a place of acceptance with that. We've been going through it for over a year now. So I guess I have my little notes here for our podcast listeners, and I've described this next stage of my life as moving on and up. Yay. Um, <laughs> because that's kind of what I feel like I'm moving into. I feel a lot of hope for this next stage of my life. And I, it's taken a while to get to a place like that where I feel so hopeful and motivated and inspired and like excited for the next stage of life. So I have a child that is now in elementary school and we're navigating school age life, which Anna's episode will be the next one. And she is a kindergarten teacher. Bless her heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I love my five-year-old, but I don't know if I could do 26 five-year-olds. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, but it has been really fun experiencing this new stage of her life with her. And I am working my new job as a behavior consultant and just absolutely loving it. Um, we live in a new house now with my boyfriend and we're just in a good place despite the trials and all the difficult things that, you know, led up to here. I feel like all of it was worth it and all of it was as cheesy as it sounds, you know, was meant to be It it truly was all worth it and was supposed to happen to lead us to here. So, and that is, yeah. 
the um, good place of life that you're in right now has finally created enough space for you to start building your brand and your business. So yes. tell us about it. Okay. Yeah. So I've kind of tried, I've tried to start things here and there throughout the years, but it was unrealistic for my life and, you know, my craziness that was going on. But now that I'm in a stable place, I have just found this passion for sharing my teen pregnancy story and um, just my motherhood journey as a young mom and a single mom and navigating the unique challenges of teen pregnancy and motherhood. And it led me to connecting with a lot of other teen moms just naturally. I was sharing things on social media and people were just reaching out to me and felt that I was a safe person to talk to and process with. And I was finding that I was really helping people. So that's inspired me starting Sincerely Me and Baby, which is very much in the works. And I'm not totally sure everything that it will offer, but my hope and my dream is that it would become a shame-free resource for teen mothers to turn to that would offer all kinds of maybe physical resources and content, um, as well as motivational and inspirational content across all platforms like social medias and things. Um, and then kind of coaching and guided courses and um, journals and really just things to help with maybe less of the logistical piece of being pregnant and doing mom, mom tasks, um, but more of just the emotional and mental piece of how do I transform into this woman when I'm so young and maybe not prepared to have a baby. So that is my, my ultimate dream and what I hope to do with Sincerely Me and Baby. So you can find me on all the platforms. <laughs> all the socials. Yes. And you'll probably hear these stories over and over and over again. So I apologize. But I think it's necessary. And my biggest takeaway from being vulnerable and open with people is that it has allowed such beautiful connection that has benefited me and the other person. Um, and that's like enriched my life so much, just knowing that I'm also paying it forward with what I've been through and really able to make it worth it. Like I have the power to uh, take control of my story and do something with it. And um, impact people with yeah, and I feel like haven't you really been like a shame-free source like ever since you broke up with you know Ella's dad and you've pretty much been a turn like a person to turn to ever since when it comes to abusive or toxic relationships like people seem to flock to you so I feel like that really has prepared you probably for this but also shows that there's such a need and there's mm -hmm. such like a space that you can create for it for that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could say it any better. That That is really what it felt like. And I don't think my intention by sharing my story was necessarily like trying to build an audience at the time. 
Um, but it was just kind of naturally happening. And yeah, like you said, it, um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like because I've been through it, I can offer that shame-free person where you can talk to me about, you know, anything within like a toxic relationship or your teen pregnancy and nothing is new to me and nothing is, is shameful to bring up. So I think that's really, um, like I found that providing that safe space and that empathic space where somebody feels like they can be their whole raw selves sitting in like maybe the hardest, you know, most challenging time of their life with you. Um, it's really valuable and it's really needed and we don't, we don't have enough of it. So I hope to bring it to some teen moms or I really do hope to work on, you know, some more things with like relationships. So even if you're not a teen mom, but you want to talk about relationships, I'm interested in that too. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think that you also bring that energy into this podcast because you are so raw and vulnerable with your truth and with your story. It allows Anna and I to hold that space of vulnerability and, you know, letting this be a space of total honesty and just speaking our truth, you know? Thank you. Well, you guys also hold that space for me. So, and I think I wanted to touch on this before, but I always give shout outs to you guys. Um, on here and in my personal life, because I can't think of like anybody else who has truly just like sat with me in my struggles and supported me through every stage that I've been in as I've been processing and navigating them. Um, and that has made me feel safe to be vulnerable and open up and friendships like that are few and far between. And I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys because I wouldn't be here without you. <laughs> I feel like we just end these podcasts with like a love fest every time. Oh yeah. But we can't end your episode with a love fest about us. <laughs> but you guys are so much tied to me. So <laughs> Maybe that's my codependency talking. Oh, no. (laughs) You're you're awesome. You're amazing. You're so strong. And your story is so inspiring. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing it. Thanks for holding space for me to share it. We love you. (laughs) I love you, too. I love you. (laughs) I love you. Tune in every other week for new episodes covering a variety of topics within the path of womanhood. Our next episode will feature a unique introduction of your host, Anna. We are so excited to welcome you to our sisterly village.